Broadcasting from the Business Radio X studio in Alpharetta, it's time for Profit Sense with Bill McDermott. Good morning. Welcome to Profit Sense. This podcast dives into the stories behind some of Atlanta's successful businesses and business owners and the professionals that advise them. We help local business leaders get the word out about the important work they're doing to serve their market, their community, and their profession. I'm your host, Bill McDermott, and this show is presented by The Profitability Coach. When business owners want to increase their profitability, they don't have the expertise to know where to start or what to do. I leverage my knowledge and relationships from 32 years as a banker to identify the hurdles getting in the way and create a plan to deliver profitability they never thought possible. We have two great guests on the show today, David Shavzin with The Value Track. David, welcome to Profit Sense. Thank you, Bill. Appreciate you having me. And Bob Tankisley with Nary Capital. Bob, welcome to Profit Sense. Glad you're here. Bill, thanks a lot. David, I'm really going to start with you. So The Value Track, tell me a little bit about the practice. All right. I'll tell you a little bit, Bill. Uh, So we are helping business owners uh, build value, value in the name, get on the value track, as we say, and think ahead about their eventual exit. Uh, We find that very often when business owners are thinking about getting out and finally take a look at what their company's worth, it's not usually what they need or want. uh, And that happens, unfortunately, too often. And they wait and wait and wait. So we want to start earlier, as early as we can to uh, help them work on all aspects of the business and um, build value for a more successful exit. Well, that, that sounds great and, and much needed. So uh, let's pretend I'm thinking about exiting my business, which, which I'm not, just for the record. But if I were, uh, what would that work look like with you? Yeah, I can give you a short snippet, but I will say, Bill, that you are going to be exiting your business. <laughs> we are all, everybody is going to exit their business at some point. And that's so like, true. And that's not just a joke, but a really important uh, issue in terms of starting early. But I would first want to understand what your goals are uh, for exit in terms of time and when and money, what you're going to do after um, uh, you exit the business uh, and understand uh, where you are today. Again, that means how the business is going uh, and what your business is worth today. That's always the starting point. And I'm sure we'll talk more about that over the next uh, half hour here in the show. Yeah, um, certainly. Want to get you focused on it, get you thinking a little bit differently. Yeah, I'm looking forward to that. So we're talking this morning with David Chavson. David's really patch- passionate about exit planning and succession planning. He's an expert in that field. He helps business owners build value and manage the sale of their companies. He created the value track, as he mentioned, to help owners maximize the transaction and move to the next phase of their life. Uh, Bob Tankisley, I'm going to come over to you. So tell, uh, tell our audience a little bit about your practice. Thanks, Bill. Yeah, we're a, a boutique investment bank. I'm a principal at Neary Capital Partners. Uh, that's a mouthful, but basically we help owners sell their companies when it's time. Uh, build that buyer pool, uh, build uh, various marketing packages that uh, go out when it's time to sell, negotiate hard with uh, with potential buyers, and then hopefully get one of those uh, on terms that our seller client likes with a buyer that they like uh, across the finish line to closing. So that's it in a nutshell. We do some standalone valuation work uh, as well, just to help owners understand the value of what they have. 
Sure. And so following along a little bit, uh, uh, David really helps build the value. Uh, you certainly help realize the value. Uh, if I'm interested in understanding the value of my business, uh, how, what does that work look like? And, and so talk maybe a little bit about a, a normal engagement for yep. you. Evaluation engagement. Sure. <clears throat> Excuse me. Um, so we're going to gather some data that's specific to your company. And in most cases, that starts with financial statements, profit and loss statement, uh, balance sheet. And, and you made the joke earlier about not many business owners knowing what a balance sheet is, let alone how to interpret it. True. Uh, too often we run into that. But uh, what's on the balance sheet doesn't show up, um, doesn't also show up on the profit and loss statement. So we need those two statements to come together. Uh, often we like to have tax returns because there's sometimes uh, little nuggets in the tax return that uh, don't show up on those internally generated financial statements. We also want to do a, a deep dive into owner's compensation. So what is the owner taking home or what do they have the ability to take home? And uh, thirdly, <clears throat> excuse me, we also um, uh, have subjective questions. As much as my left brain mind wants to say it all comes down to the numbers, no, it, it really uh, does depend also pretty heavily on the answers to some subjective questions that the owner can give us the answers to uh, the subjective questions are the answers to which are not necessarily found on all those financial statements or in that owner's compensation. But all this comes together, goes in a, a tool of the valuation person's choice uh, guided by experience. And we uh, hopefully come up with uh, some type of transferable value on the other side of that process. So we're talking this morning with Bob Tanksley with Neri Capital uh, Bob's a fourth-generation entrepreneur, uh, thoroughly enjoys helping business owners of closely-held businesses culminate their long-term business effort in a successful transaction. So uh, we've talked a little bit about uh, your respective practices, uh, but even more importantly, you two do some work together. And so really, I'd like to uh, dive in and talk about that. How do you two work together? Very carefully. Well, uh, <laughs> Uh, no, it's been really good over the last several years. The um, uh, complementary backgrounds and experience and then pulling together a very comprehensive process for our clients is where it all comes together. Um, you know, none of us can individually do everything for our clients. Uh, when you're growing a business, building value, when you're going into the sale process, it's very complicated and it takes a lot of uh, team, a teamwork effort. So we've um, put together a process where we're um, – taking the clients through A to Z, understanding value, value building, and through the sale. And um, working pretty much hand-in-glove through the process. Yeah, I'll, I'll just add, too, that we'll be in meetings together, and, and I'll hear something you know in a particular way that David doesn't, or he hears it a different way than I do. So it's always you know a richer understanding after we leave uh, first working with a client together. Yeah, I, I think this is probably a situation where one plus one actually equals three uh, in that uh, uh, I had a situation recently where I was talking to a business owner. Uh, it's been very successful, had 20% year over year growth for the last five years. Wow. Uh, I asked him the question. I said, okay, you've created some value, uh, but what are you doing to preserve or maintain that value? Uh, and so he and I have this uh, uh, running 
kind of joke between us that sometimes I ask those uh, hair raising on the back of your neck type questions. But generally, there seems to be a lack of awareness among business owners about what exit planning is and what are some of the components. You know, for example, and I'm going to throw it open maybe for you to start, David. Um, when do you start the exit planning process? Of course, my answer is always yesterday. And the <laughs> next answer is really as you're starting to plan the business before you open the doors, you know, and, and it's only half joking, right? When you're creating something, you want to have a goal in mind anyway, right? And the best one to have is some, some idea. It's not in stone. You can change it, but, right. but you know, what's that date? What's that, you know, dollar amount? What do you want to come out with? And so the other element really tied to this question of when do we start is uh, the more time you have, the more time you have to build value. Think about your stock portfolio over time as sure. an example. And it's the same thing. So there's, it's so complex and too often people hear exit planning and they think the transaction right. and it's so much more than that. Right. Right. Bob. Uh, I think David hit on something that's important to realize. A lot of us have retirement plans and uh, we get statements from our brokerage firm monthly, quarterly. So we're getting <clears throat> a regular understanding of what the value is of uh, our retirement nest egg, so to speak. Business owners don't do that. What metric, what what feedback loop do they have which tells them this is what 50, 60, 70 plus percent of your net worth is tied up in is worth? Right. So That's a great uh, point. So um, a, a regular valuation estimate is an, a very important feedback loop, we think, for owners to have. Better that than to get, you know, six months into due diligence with a potential buyer, and now you're being told what they think it's worth, and it's it's half of what you think you should get. Yeah, that's a great point. So uh, one of my takeaways, just kind of listening, is uh, uh, I think Covey said start with the end in mind and work backwards. Uh, and then, Bob, to your point, talking about getting um, regular assessments of value, understanding what that value is. And then maybe if value is going up or going down, then some understanding maybe of, of what's, what's driving either the increases or the decreases. David and I have done this a lot, helped a lot of business owners, and we've never taken them through this these first few steps, which we, we might get into elaborate our, our process, we've never taken them through that, those first few steps where the owner didn't start making different and better decisions from that point forward. Now they know the buttons to push. Now they know the levers to pull that drive business value. They look at their business entirely different from that point forward. I can't say that they stop spending money the way they do, uh, you know, on the boats, the planes, the multiple cars and all sure. that. But uh, they do get a sense. It, it's kind of like, we may be, you know, getting ahead of ourselves here, but it's kind of like getting into the mind of the buyer, which we think is a very difficult transition for a lot of business owners to make, but it's a very worthwhile transition for them to make. So I want to kind of move over um, to the whole concept of um, what value is actually getting transferred. So I've I've heard many say that the value of the business is X minus the owner which means there's really no value outside the business owner. So if I'm a solopreneur, for example, and I don't have anything to transfer a value, my business actually may not be as valuable as, as I think it is. So 
really what I'd like to maybe uh, start off this this subject with is obviously you two talk to your clients about transferable value all the time, but what is it and how does the business owner create it? Bob, can I get you to maybe kick that off? Sure. Uh, transferable business value is what the business is likely to transact at. At least that's how we define it. There's many different ways to value companies. Uh, if we had an hour, we could get into that. But um, in our opinion, the, the way that that uh, it should be looked at is what is the owner going to end up with at the end of the day based on the most likely buyer type that they're going to have. And, and you, you can only get to that level of understanding as a consulting team if you dig deep and understand what the business is made of, who it's made of, what it does, <clears throat> um, what it looks like in the eyes of a buyer. We, we counsel business owners all the time and we, we tell them a lot more tactfully than what I'm going to say now, but our job is to make you irrelevant, Mr. or Miss business owner. Right. Um, buyers don't like to buy, well, sophisticated buyers don't like to buy problems. They don't like to buy headaches. They like to buy businesses where more of the problems are solved than still remain. And I find that to be the number one question that and concern that uh, buyers have, and that is what happens to this company if something happens to this seller? If we can answer that years in advance, potentially through through a, a solid exit planning process, we will have reduced the number one buyer objection that we find out there. David points to add on that. Yeah, you know, and and um, this whole topic of transferable value is, is pretty vast, as as Bob is talking about. But um, you know, just one example to throw in. Um, if the business model is such that the client, the the you know our client, the business owner has to um, is selling let's say a product or a project a one off every time right they've got to get that next business they got to have that pipeline going um, that's they may be running a good business but it's work every time to bring in that new that new client of theirs if the business model is a recurring model be it a uh, subscription kind of thing a monthly sort of fee maybe it's long term projects of many years much more valuable in the latter than in the former Right, because that transferable value as a buyer, I step in and I've got that, I have that cash flow coming, and I know it for a certain amount of time. Sure. So, just one one example of many uh, when we talk about transferable value, there may be no value in that in that original case, unless the business is doing really well and there's a really good marketing machine and they can really show a track record of bringing in those clients. Yeah, some really great points there. So. Um, we hear it all the time. There's probably a pretty big discrepancy between what a business owner believes his or her business is worth at the cocktail party and what a willing buyer in reality is willing to pay. So, Bob, this gets back to a little bit of what you were saying earlier. How do you prepare the business owners for those reality checks? Bob, kick us off with that one. I'm sorry, Bill. I, I don't understand what you're talking about. Every business owner <laughs> I've come into contact with – to the penny almost, understands their transferable value. Exactly. Uh, now, sadly, um, it's about three out of four times, uh, three out of four times where we deliver a valuation estimate report. The owner is, is saddened. The owner is angered. Uh, it, it's a range of emotions too many yep. times. Yep. Uh, they're, they're surprised in a bad way, and we have to come along and make them aware of that. But as I said a few minutes ago, better to know that years in advance than be told that by a series of potential buyers that your business is worth half of what you think it needs to be. And we run into 
too many cases where um, you you said it, you know, the cocktail party chatter. Someone heard someone else say that I sold my company for uh, you know five times gross. Okay, well, I should be getting five times gross for my company, right? Of course, yeah. Yeah. Never mind that it was a fast growth uh, software, you know, SaaS based type of company, yep. lots of leverage, you know, high margins. Um, so too many business owners transfer other other valuation metrics to their own. So uh, another um, another um, expectation that we're often having to to deal with is the teaser offers that business owners are getting these days, unsolicited teaser offers from either buyers or the representatives of, of firms that are buying uh, companies in certain industries. And they'll throw out multiples and metrics and industry benchmarks and say, well, this is what I need to be getting because someone told me. So it, it's, it's the planting of the seed, but, but it, it turns out to be kudzu. You know, it, it's yeah. just, it's not the kind of plant that you want uh, germinating in there. So we, we often have to deal with that. And then thirdly, uh, we find owners have done their own back of the napkin calculations or they've talked with the financial advisor and this is what I need. And that's usually the most difficult uh, ex- expectation to deal with that a business owner brings to us. Yeah, That's more of an emotional, you know, that that's the blood, sweat and tears type of argument, which says I've built this, I've poured everything into it. And for, for my cash flow for whatever I'm doing after I sell this company, which is usually retirement, uh, this is the, this is the amount that I need because my financial advisor or my accountant told me that's what I need. Yeah. Uh, so we, we try to dispel those no, those misconceptions as early as possible in a, in a tactful way, of course. Of course. Yeah. And a lot of times that number, uh, they haven't factored in taxes. Uh, if it's an asset purchase, they haven't uh, factored in debt repayment uh, and then transaction costs on top of that. You nailed it. That's all those. David? Uh, yeah, well, I was going to add, um, <clears throat> you know, the, uh, the a little bit on the positive side to this all, and that is we don't just throw a number at them, uh, watch them cry for a while and walk away. So, um, you know, we're delivering that message with a lot of the why, you know, what goes into transferable value? Why is sure. that value there? And uh, part of the work that we do with our clients is not just walk away at that step either, but but share a number of recommendations of what they can do. To, to build value. And, and if they still have some time, it might be a year, a couple of years, a few years. So get very focused now on, all right, you are where you are. It is what it is. Uh, you've got time to put in, right? And it's going to take some more work. Um, how do you get from A to Z? Now, if they were at, as I always say, eight gazillion in their heads and it's only worth one gazillion, you know, it may mean that we get to three gazillion, you know, in the next, in the next couple of years. But, Come, we're coming back with a very focused plan that on value once they understand transferable value. So that's the that's the, the and, I, and I'll say this too real quick on the value. As much as we hear, we think it's these you know this number, this multiple. We heard this. I want this much money. I, I would submit in most cases when we really talk with them, they know it's not there really, and they're not really sure. But they need that guidance, something definitive, right? And then okay, great. But now what do I do with it going forward? How do I? How do I how do I get out of here the right way the way that I need to? Sure, great points. So uh, I want to take last year for example, um, twenty twenty. Salesforce bought Slack for twenty seven billion dollars. T Mobile acquired Sprint for twenty six and a half billion. Uh, Morgan Stanley bought E Trade for thirteen billion. 
there appears to be some kind of mystique around how these deals happen. Uh, but isn't it the same process for the closely held business as it is for these mega companies? Isn't it just that there are more zeros behind the numbers that make it bigger? David, talk about that. As always, Bill, yes and no. Uh, I'll share a little bit and definitely have Bob jump in. Um, I think, I think the premise of the question overall is yes, very similar in concept, right? Um, there's a company, if the buyer, whoever the buyer is, big or small, is doing their job the right way, they're, they're really diving in to understand exactly what's happening. They're going to understand what the business is doing and cash flow and what they think they can do with it going forward and understand what that translates into in, in terms of ROI, return on what their investment would be and how that fits into their current business. Right? And they're examining it all, doing that due diligence and then making an offer. And then the negotiation process goes back and forth. So so from that perspective, absolutely. Um, there's certainly some nuance in larger companies and publicly traded companies in those processes. But the fundamentals under there are the same. Um, I spent a dozen years with a large global $20 billion company, Part of that time was doing M&A work, and uh, it's very similar. And I'll tell you, it can be just as messy as it is with the small business uh, uh, market, the lower mid-market that we work in, um, and then certainly some nuances. And certainly some zeros uh, can be different. And sure. David, speak to also the, 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 that how common it is that these companies run themselves as if they were a small family, whether or not they're people related to the owner or not in there, adds an incredible layer of complexity to it. I'm sure in this audience, there's advisors to business owners, owners themselves who would, who would willingly acknowledge, I want to take care of my people. And, and though that may exist in kind of a corporate hierarchical arrangement in these mega mergers that you just talked about, it's a lot more difficult to deal with, you know, at, at the, at the lower to mid market level, like we deal with. Sure. We're talking about the direct impact to people's lives. And let's say a private equity firm comes in and, you know, we, we count private equity as, as a great source of potential buyers for some of the businesses we sell, but they have a, they have a different mandate, as they should, than a family office, uh, a, a different mandate still than, you know, a larger corporate competitor. So there are uh, family um, nuances that come into play as well. Yeah, and it's, it's, uh, we just went through something. We just closed on a deal that's kind of this hybrid that's really interesting, but it illustrates, Bill, what you're talking about, that in that the similarities, um, we sold a, a small uh, business to a fortune, I don't know, 100, 100 company. So a large corporate entity on the other side of the table. And, you know, it still took a year. It still took a lot of going back and forth. It still took a lot of negotiations. It still took a lot of us working, um, to explain the business to the buyers and why the price needed to be where it was for our client. Um, the attorney still went back and forth. Uh, so very, very similar process. You just have different nuances and different circumstances. So today we've been talking to Bob Tankersley. Uh, Bob is a big believer in collaboration. Uh, he teaches other professionals how to be more successful uh, when working with business owners. He's a co-founder of the Exit Planning Exchange of Atlanta, XBX, uh, and his many speaking engagements include the Georgia Society of CPAs, financial services firms, CPA firms, and general business. Uh, also, uh, David Chavzin is a co-founder of the Exit Planning Exchange in Atlanta, and throughout his process, he f- facilitates strategic planning sessions, conflict resolution, merger negotiations, and helps businesses, business partners 
work through a variety of business challenges. Uh, David is also a frequent speaker on exit succession value and the transaction process. Uh, and so in our closing time that we have together, uh, what do you two either individually or together want a business owner to take away from our conversation today? Bob, can I start with you? Sure. Um, <clears throat> I'm sure David's got his thoughts as well, but, um, to me, I see when we take a company to market, I see too many uh, sellers that are unprepared, that are still thinking like a seller. You know, they're 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 a month or two away from not owning this company anymore. If we can get a business owner who's someday going to be a seller to think like a buyer, mm. which is an incredibly different difficult mind shift sure. for them to make. Here's someone who, as I said, blood, sweat, and tears for twenty, forty years. Uh, poured into this to now start thinking like a buyer, you know, treat it like it's not, don't treat it like it's an ATM machine anymore. Uh, you know, think, think of it uh, from a very objective standpoint. Don't just have a tax minimization strategy and, and run all the different types of, of expenses through there. Uh, think like a buyer, think critically about your business and as much as you can ahead of time, correct any of the flaws that a buyer is likely to find. That's how you stand out among your peers. When you go to market, you're going to go to market against other companies going to market at the same time. That's competition in a different sense, different than the competition you've been facing all those years that you owned it. You're going to be competing with other companies for the same types of buyers and buyers have options and, and, and sellers would be very mindful to keep that, uh, keep that front of mind. Buyers have options. They don't have to buy your company. They don't have to offer what you're offering. They don't have to, you know, negotiate on terms that you like. They could walk away from the deal entirely as many of them do. So, um, I, I, to sum it up again, I would just say, correct the flaws that a buyer is likely going to find. Yeah. Anxiety is the price you pay for the unprepared mind and mouth. Someone much smarter than me said that, uh, but also, uh, Thinking like a buyer, I think, is uh, is a is a great takeaway for me, Bob. David, what about you? Uh, two two um, quick things, I guess I would say. One is the um, the owner is an expert in their industry and their business, and should be. What they don't have around them enough is a the advisory team. You know, a very comprehensive advisory team that sometimes can be daunting, can be challenging. Maybe sounds like it's expensive. But it's nothing compared to what they're eventually trying to sell their business for. And so, um, I, you know, I can't do it all. Bob can't do it all. You can't do it all. Um, having the right folks around you is, is critical. And that's what we pull together with every client, a very extensive advisory team. And that's a great starting point, right? That with understanding uh, where they're at in terms of value. And then understanding, we touched on earlier, some of the drivers of business value and just getting a little bit more focused. You know, one of those is really trying to make yourself irrelevant. And that's tough but have a, a good team around you who's doing everything. Some of them might be outsiders. And then just hone in on you know that, that, that revenue, that recurring revenue and profitability. Um, brand, make sure you're standing out. That can be huge after the issue of the uh, owner being irrelevant. Mm -hmm. And a real, really truly a, a real marketing machine that, that is happening. It's bringing the flow in on a regular basis. That's just a starting point. Yeah. There's a whole lot more we don't have time for. <laughs> <laughs> Those are great points. So David, if someone wants to get in touch with you, uh, they like what they've heard, uh, what's the best way for them to get in touch with you? 
Uh, phone is always easy, 770-329-5224. The email is david at getonthevalutrack.com. And that website is getonthevalutrack.com. Great. And Bob, what about you? If someone likes what they heard from you, what's the best way to contact you? It's a phone number. Phone number would be great. Love to talk to people. 770-633-1083. And uh, email, btankesley. That's B-T-A-N-K-E-S-L-E-Y at nearycap, N-E-R-I-C-A-P.com. Same website. Great. It's been great having you both on the show. A lot of value uh, in this uh, interview today from uh, two experts in their respective fields. So thanks again for coming on the show. Thanks, Thanks, Bill. Thanks, Bill. Appreciate it. If you want to keep up with the latest in pro-business news, follow us on social media for the latest stories. If you want to listen to future ProfitSense podcasts, you can find us on ProfitSenseRadio.com. This is ProfitSense with Bill McDermott signing off. Make it a great day.